Ciao, mamas. Welcome to the Outlets of Joy podcast. I am your half Italian host, Christina Stevenson. I am a meal creator, food coach, and mom to three shin kickers. If you are a mom who wants to know how to ditch prepackaged food and cook with ingredients you can pronounce, you are in the right place. I love talking about healthy food and how you can create healthy meals for your family in about 30 minutes without opening a frozen package of dino nuggets. Also, if you are a mom who struggles with being a mom, you are in the right place again. I don't enjoy being a mom and I love my kids. I needed a safe place to put that and I found one right here on my podcast. I was tired of feeling depressed, anxious, and unfulfilled with motherhood. And one day I decided that I had had enough. I found a few things to help me feel better. Now I want to share those things with you and help you find and shine your brightest light again too. This podcast is a place where I help moms find their shimmer through clean eating, finding ways to make you feel more optimistic, inspired, and fulfilled, and making you laugh. Now let's turn up that dimmer and find our shimmer. Hey everyone, I want to come on here and talk about this uh, new thing that's trending in the news about the baby formula that has been recalled, right? I read an article where the FDA says parents should avoid certain powdered baby formulas after reports of four bacterial infections. Not a joke for infants. Bacterial infection can kill infant. And I think, unfortunately, one baby died already. It's terrible. There's a lot of fear surrounding this trend, this news. And there's two fears around it. The fear of, I can't give my baby this formula. And the fear of, what do I do if I don't have this formula? So there's two fears right here. I'm here to tell you, you don't have to fear. You have options. And I want to say that I was a mom who made a homemade dairy-free baby formula for all of my three kids, and they turned out fine. So that's a spoiler alert, right? But I'm going to tell you how I got there. I want you to know, I'm not here to shame anybody, right? I'm not here to shame anybody of, of, about putting their kids on formula, giving their kids baby formula. I'm not here to do that. I'm here to educate you and tell you what your options are. It was nine years ago and change that I was pregnant with my first child. And during that pregnancy, I was going to health coaching school at the Institute for Integrative Nutrition. While I was there, I studied a whole bunch of of stuff, needless to say. But in addition to that, I studied over 100 dietary theories, right? The big thing back then was Atkins, South Beach diet. Uh, Keto wasn't a big thing back then, Um, but just different, different dietary theories, over 100. And... Fast forward, you know, 11 months in, I had my daughter. One month later, I graduated. And my choice was to direct nurse her. Again, I'm not shaming anybody. I'm not trying to tell you what to do. I'm not trying to tell you that that nursing is better than formula, is better than something else. No, I'm just telling you what my choice was. However, my body was not physically capable of doing that because 20 years earlier, I had had a breast reduction. And before the surgery, the surgeon was telling me, okay, there's a 30% chance that you will be able to breastfeed, 30% chance that you can't. We don't really know what the other 30% is. And at the time I didn't really, I wasn't interested in kids. So I didn't really care. And I said, okay, whatever, just go move forward with it anyway. Well, here I am with 
um, milk that came in, the milk came in, but it would not express because of the surgery. And I was devastated because that was my first choice. So I couldn't do that. So my second choice that, that I thought was the only other option was commercial formula. I'm here to tell you it's not, I'll get to that later. Uh, my doula at the time though was telling me about camel milk closely resembled mother's milk from a human, but I was too much of a new mom. I didn't research that before. I had had my baby and I wasn't willing to take the time to research that. So, so what I did was I just went with the commercial formula. Still to this day, I have not researched camel milk, so I couldn't tell you um, if it's close to mother's milk or not. <laughs> uh, but anyway, so um, we put her on Similac, right? And that's one of the three baby formulas that have been in the news, Similac, Elementum, and Elicare. We use Similac, right? And my daughter did not take to the Similac. She was writhing in pain every time we gave it to her. All right. So we go back to the pediatrician. Okay, try number two. Try formula number two. Try baby formula number two. Now, when I first tried, when I first looked at the ingredients of the baby formula, because I had gone to health coaching school, I knew that ingredients were the most important thing in any food from now until always, ingredients. So I read the ingredients, it was a mile long. There were ingredients that I couldn't pronounce. And the first one or the first few, uh, within the first few ingredients, there was corn syrup or sugar or some horrible thing like that, high fructose corn syrup. And I thought, well, this is no good, but I really don't have any choice or so I thought. So, okay, reluctantly, very reluctantly, I gave her the Similac. And then when she had a bad reaction, reluctantly again, I gave her the second type of Similac that the pediatrician recommended. Now keep in mind, I was a new mom. I was exhausted, fatigued, hormonal, and my daughter was writhing in pain and I couldn't help her. And imagine, you know, thinking back, if you've ever had kids as a new mom, if your newborn were writhing in pain and crying all the time, how would you feel? I felt out of my mind, out of my mind. I couldn't help her. I didn't know what to there was lack of knowledge, there was confusion, frustration, fatigue, hormones, all of that stuff layered on top of me being a new mom. And I was so overwhelmed. I had no idea, had no idea. But I knew it wasn't good. In the meantime, I was so mad at my body for not being able to express the milk that I had so much physical body hate toward myself. I remember being in the shower, pounding my chest with my fists and crying and sobbing because I was so angry at myself for not being able to nurse because that was my first choice. All right, formula number two, right? Same thing, writhing, crying. I remember my husband and I, we would tag team during the night. He would walk with her for two hours while I would rest on the bed and then we would switch. He would rest and I would walk because she just could not get comfortable. Tears streaming down her face, screaming, yelling. It was horrendous. It was terrifying. Nobody could help her, not even the pediatrician. All right, formula number three, here we go again. Same number of ingredients, same. It was crappy, sugar, corn syrup, all that bad stuff, couldn't pronounce it. And then at the time, I almost forgot this. At the time, there was a recent article when she was born where Similac was found to have construction debris in it. No joke, I'm not joking you. So of course I'm thinking, oh my gosh, am I feeding my daughter construction debris and it just hasn't gotten out to the FDA yet? Like what's going on? It was awful, 
All right, here we go again, formula number four, and this was the alimentum. So I had three Similax and one alimentum. Alimentum was supposed to be the hypoallergenic, right? But during this time, we put her on alimentum because we tested her stool. And in her stool, they found out that she had a milk protein allergy, which was a really good piece of information. Now, she's only eight weeks old by this point. Okay, so every time I feed her for, the, for, for these eight weeks, she's crying and crying. So we're desperately trying to figure out what's going on eight weeks old. So the alimentum was supposed to be hypoallergenic. She has a milk protein allergy, which means she's allergic to the casein and whey in milk. This is not the same as a lactose allergy. Lactose is when you're allergic to the sugar in milk. She was allergic to the casein and whey. And upon further research, I discovered that this affects 2% of the world population for children. So percentage-wise, it wasn't a lot of children that were diagnosed with this. So again, I had something rare. Uh, nobody knew anything about it. I couldn't find any information. With Alimentum, we put on Alimentum, same thing, not good. Horrible, writhing, screaming, crying. And I said, you know what? There has to be a different, there has to be a different way to do this, or I must find a way. I just had gone to health, school, health coaching school, like I told you, graduated, and I said, I have to find something. So I researched all of my courses. I found this website um, that was um, a dentist named Weston A. Price. He was all about going back to kind of like old school methods. So just think what your grandparents had as they were growing up, what kind of food they had. And in that website, I came across another website of a woman who was a supporter of this dentist. And she actually filmed a video about homemade dairy-free formula because that's what I needed to find. I needed to find a dairy-free formula for my daughter. And I found this lady who made a video on it. And I watched the video, it was about 10 minutes long. And I tried to get in touch with her. I was so excited. I'm like, oh my gosh, maybe this is the answer to my, to my prayers, to my problems. Maybe this will stop my daughter from crying. I reached out, emailed her. She never emailed me back. I searched and scoured the internet for anybody else who did it. Couldn't find anybody. Um, it, it was nearly impossible. That was the only thing that I found. And plus, but, but the thing about it was there was only eight ingredients in it. Eight. And I could pronounce all of them. So I thought, okay, well, I have eight ingredients over here versus the 100 over here in this canister of powdered whatever this is, construction debris, that I can't pronounce. I'm thinking my gut is telling me that the eight ingredients and I can pronounce is better. But still, there were layers of fear, terror. Am I going to do more damage to my baby? Is this going to give her the nutrients that she needs? Right? All these things were going through my mind. So then I decided, okay, I needed to figure out these eight ingredients, how they mimic mother's milk directly from the breast. So I researched, okay, this ingredient has this enzyme. This ingredient over here has this enzyme. This one has this enzyme. And I was like, okay, so these are kind of purported to be similar to mother's milk, right? So I had to order some of the ingredients. I could not get them at a supermarket, believe it or not. And I ordered them, it took a few days to come in. And while they were taking a few days to come in, I really had to make a hard decision. When these ingredients came in and I was gonna make this formula, am I gonna give it to my daughter or not? And let me tell you something. Um, it was one of the most wretched few days of what praying, crying, begging, anything that I've experienced in my life. 
three people supported me. One was my husband. The other one was my mother. The third was my father. They too didn't know what, what, what to do. They had lack of knowledge. They had no idea what to expect, but they uttered three words to me. I trust you. Three people, three words. I brought the ingredients to my pediatrician. She did not give me her blessing at all. She said, no, let's try another formula. I said, oh, okay. I walked out of there, didn't listen to her because I knew underneath the layers of all of the fear and fatigue and hormones and being a new mom, I knew that this was the best choice, the right choice for me and my baby. Ingredients came in, made the formula on a wing and a prayer. I tasted it first, right? Tasted it first just to be sure. I didn't want to give my baby anything I didn't try first. I know some of you who are moms can relate. I tried it on a wing and a prayer. I gave it to her. Within 24 hours, her bleeding stopped. No joke. I can't even tell you the amount of relief. Tears, happiness. All of these emotions combined, how they made me feel. I was over the moon. I couldn't believe it. Her bleeding stopped. Everybody cheered. I went to the pediatrician and said, look what I did. Look at this. Oh, okay. Did not even ask me what it was, what was in it. Oh my gosh, can I share this with other moms who might be having the same? No, none of that. I was pissed because why wouldn't you share this? But I was like, okay, maybe it's too new. No problem. So the confidence that I had knowing, let me, let me go back. Having ingredients, seeing ingredients that I can pronounce, this was, this moment in time changed the trajectory of my life in terms of how food can be medicine and how food can hurt you. And it's all about the ingredients. Even if you're listening to this and you're not a mom, you've never been a mom, maybe you're a dad, never had kids, you can't dispute the fact that food Good food and good ingredients, when mixed together in a certain way, can benefit your life. You can't dispute that. Versus taking something that's been prepackaged by a factory. What's in there? What contaminants are in there? So this really changed my life and taught me you can use food to save your life and you can use food to make it shorter. So I put her on this formula and I never looked back. She gained so much weight that we called her Sophie the tank and it was a healthy weight. It wasn't, you know, it was, she was a big fat baby, right? Babies can be fat. She was great. She, she developed properly in her brain. Her bones were developing her muscular Structure was developing her intelligence, you know, mile markers. She was meeting her mile markers the whole way. I got pregnant with my son. There was no doubt in my mind that I was going to make this formula for him as well. And in my son's case, he was born fine, uh, but he developed thrush. I don't know, maybe within a few days of when he was born. And thrush is just a really bad yeast infection in your mouth. 
And what it does is it doesn't really allow you to, it doesn't allow the child to eat properly or absorb nutrients properly. And it's very uncomfortable. You know, nobody wants thrush in their mouth. So he ended up losing more weight than average. So I know that a lot of babies, they come out and then they lose a little bit of weight and then they gain some more. But his was a little bit too fast and a little bit too much for his developmental stage. Um, gave him the formula and he grew into this big fat baby <laughs> and he was fine developmentally fine brain fine muscular structure fine bone density fine he met all of his mile markers with my homemade dairy-free baby formula okay now we're fast forwarding to my third child um and at the time, my husband was away for a new job training and he was gone for four months and we had moved to a different state. So I had no family, no friends. We had really literally moved six months before I had my baby. And I had nobody here to help. And when she was born, I did make the formula maybe two or three times, but because I didn't have any help, it was really hard for me to make it. And I didn't have any doubt that I was going to make it because it worked for the other two. But this time around, I had a midwife and I had a scheduled home birth. So for my first two, I had a hospital-based midwife. I went to a conventional OBGYN for my first child and they take me off so badly. I had a, I went to a class called the Bradley Method. My husband and I took a class called the Bradley Method of childbirth. And it was the most wonderful thing I've ever done because I was 39 years old when I had my first child. And I was really scared. And of course, when you go in at 39, automatically you're high risk. Even though I was very healthy, my blood pressure was great. I was in terrific shape for 39 years old, but still because of your age, they put you in the high risk category. So during this time at the Bradley class, I was learning everything there was to know about uh, childbirth and, and what I wanted, what my rights were, what happens to the uterus, what, you know, transition stage, all that good stuff, right? Um, different positions that I could labor in that would be easier for me, uh, what my husband could do for me to advocate and support my labor. And I came up with the birth plan because part of the assignment in the class was to come up with the birth plan. So I, I brought in the birth plan to my conventional OBGYN. Um, and she looked at it and she handed it right back to me. And she said, oh, okay. I said, no, this is for you. And she's like, oh no, I don't want it. <laughs> and the other thing, when she read it, she noticed that I did not want to be IV ported, which means they put an IV port upon your arrival at the hospital, just in case something bad happens. But I have a very um, irrational phobia of needles. And I knew that that would get me more stressed out. And the whole goal of childbirth is to be relaxed enough so that you can do this without being stressed, right? So she didn't like the fact that I didn't want to be IV ported. And she said this to me, well, what if you're hemorrhage, you're going to end up on the floor dead with all this blood everywhere. I swear to God, she said that to me. And my husband and I looked at each other and we're like, okay. And that's when she handed the birth plan back to me. And we said our goodbyes and I walked down the hall and I never went back again. So I found hospital-based midwife practice. It was the best thing that ever happened. And I gave birth in a birthing center with midwives. And I absolutely adored them. And the first time I met with them, 
you know how you rotate at the conventional OBGYNs and you meet all the doctors that are there? Okay, so I had that. Nobody ever touched my belly there. Nobody. No doctor did. Just the ultrasound tech, right? When I went to the midwife practice for the first time, and I was, I was seven months into my pregnancy when I, when I fired the OBGYN and hired the midwife practice, seven months in, right? That's a late time to, to switch. I went in there. She said, please lay down on the table. She put her hands on my belly. I started to cry the first time anyone put hands on my belly. It was this gorgeous midwife. I'm like, oh, I'm home. I'm home. So anyway, fast forward to my third. I moved to a different state. I couldn't get into a hospital midwife-based practice here because they weren't taking any new clients. I, of course, started off a conventional OBGYN again, fired them because they were most unfriendly. I felt like a cow on an assembly line. It was horrible. So I opted to do a home birth with uh, a midwife and her apprentice. And I wasn't scared by that point because fortunately I felt like I knew what I was doing. And the whole job of the midwife is to tell you if you're in danger or not. So I trusted her. I met with her. She was absolutely amazing. I loved every ounce of this woman. And um, I, I wasn't able to have a home birth because my blood pressure was too high. So she made a judgment call and she said, we're going to the hospital. So she took me to the hospital, had the baby. Everything was fine. I came home and here we are now up to speed where I made the formula a few times, but it was kind of hard for me to get ingredients where I am. I'm in Georgia and it was hard for me to find the ingredients that I needed. So she said, well, because you're so tired and because you're doing this on your own, have you considered donated breast milk? Now, for my first child, when my doula recommended the camel milk, I was so horrible, disgusted, horribly disgusted with that. I said, absolutely not. Um, I hadn't considered donated breast milk until my midwife mentioned it, but my first red flag was, who are these women? And what are they putting into their bodies? Are they drug addicts? Are they alcoholics? Uh, are they ingesting prescription medication that I don't know about? Are they eating McDonald's three times a day, 365, 24-7? Because I don't want that for my baby to eat, right? And she said, no, I'm plugged into this. I have trusted sources. I have mamas who are making an overabundance of breast milk and I know who they are and uh, they are feeding their own babies. And I see those babies too. And I said, well, okay, I trust you. So while I was kind of afraid of this donated breast milk option, I completely 110% trusted my midwife. So my point in telling you this is that aside from making your own homemade formula, there is the option of donated breast milk from trusted sources. And if you don't know where to get donated breast milk and you're interested in getting that, I suggest that you reach out to a local midwife in your area or a local midwife, hospital-based midwife practice to see if they have any leads because of course they're plugged into that stuff. You can also go to Facebook pages, but it's kind of hard to you know, establish trust on those pages without seeing the person. And of course, you don't wanna get donated breast milk if you have to transport it over state lines from far away. It needs to be on ice. You need to freeze it once you get it. So I recommend that you start with local midwife practices or a hospital-based midwife practice for that. So 
I'm hoping that these two options have extinguished your fear or minimized it a little bit. Um, what the homemade dairy-free baby formula did for me was to build my confidence and to know that I was giving my child the food that she needed, which was safe to give to her. It changed my life. It changed their lives. So fast forward, they are now nine, eight, and five. And my daughter is this tall, skinny beanpole. My son, you know, is a, is a thick, solid boy. And my five-year-old is, is this healthy, you know, happy five-year-old girl. And if you don't believe me, you can go to my Instagram pages and my Facebook pages. I post videos and pictures of them all the time so you can see. Um, so I, when I made this formula, I needed to believe in it before I gave it to them. I needed to believe that it was safe and good for my kids before that I gave it to them. And I did because it had these eight ingredients in there. And I'm going to tell you what the ingredients are. And I left my notes over there in the kitchen. So let me go get them and I'll be right back. All right, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine. Sorry, nine ingredients. I said eight, but it's nine. So the first thing is, is it's stock. It's broth based. So it's a homemade dairy free baby formula, right? So it's a homemade chicken stock. It's grass fed beef liver, lactose. If your baby has a lactose allergy, you can substitute maple syrup, not honey, maple syrup, perhaps monk fruit too, but I have not done the research. Okay. I have not done the research. I have substituted maple syrup in my homemade dairy-free baby formula for my kids when I ran out of lactose, just so you know, so it does work. Powdered probiotics, acerola powder, which is vitamin C powder, Huh. fermented cod liver oil. I had never heard of this one before, before I got the uh, formula made, but fermented cod liver oil, not regular cod liver oil, not cod liver oil that are in capsules. It's specifically fermented. Sunflower oil, extra virgin olive oil and coconut oil. That's it, folks. I'm going to read it to you again. It's that simple. Chicken stock, beef liver, lactose, or maple syrup. Probiotics, acerola powder, which is vitamin C powder, Co fermented cod liver oil, sunflower oil, extra virgin olive oil, coconut oil. Boom, done. Compare those to the ones on Similac, Alimentum, Elecare. Compare that. I can tell you for sure that they do not have nine. They have more than nine. I want to talk a little bit about this homemade stock that I'm talking about. So what I did was, like I said before, I needed to believe in that the ingredients were safe and good for my baby. So I went to a farmer's market where I lived up in upstate New York at the time. It was Albany, New York. We had a great farmer's market in Troy, New York. And I made friends with the poultry farmer and the beef farmer. And I said, I am looking for pasture-raised chicken. The reason why I didn't go to the supermarket is because at the time I did not want the regular commercially farmed chickens because of all the antibiotics. 
and um, conditions under which they live and die. I understand that if you're in an area and you don't have pasture-raised chickens or you don't have a farmer's market, then just go to the grocery store and make your own. I'm not trying to shame you into thinking that the, the chicken from your supermarket is not good enough. But I'm here to tell you, I highly, highly recommend pasture-raised chicken. So reach out to your farmers in your area, if you can, if you know, and see if they have any and reserve some. Now, it is expensive, I'm not gonna lie. So if you're on a budget and you can't afford pasture-raised chicken, I think like one whole chicken would be, they charge $6 a pound for one whole chicken. So, um, you know, a four pound chicken would be like $24, $26. So if you can't afford that, then that's fine. Just go to the supermarket. Uh, so I made friends with the farmer and I said, I'm interested in a chicken. And what you do is you get the chicken and you put it in a big pot, the biggest pot that you have, because you want to make this in large batches and freeze it. So you don't have to go and keep on doing it because it is a lot of work. I'm not going to lie to you either. No, no BS here. It's a little bit pricier. It's going to be pricier than the commercial formula. And it's going to be a little bit of work. Um, but if it's worth it for you, then I did it. You can do it too. So you want to make, I think I had a 16 quart stock pot, huge. I got it from Macy's 10 years ago. I put the whole chicken in there. I wouldn't even cut it up. I would put carrots and celery. Uh, you don't have to worry about chopping them though. I mean, cutting them, you know, in half, cutting the celery six in half, cutting the carrots in half, and then one sweet onion quartered, and then some fresh parsley. You don't even have to chop it. Apple cider vinegar, about a quarter cup of apple cider vinegar because it, it extracts the calcium from the bones in the broth and also adds some probiotics to it. So do that. Then you let it boil, you know, for a while, chicken broth, I don't know, two hours or so. And then you strain it, of course, you need a fine mesh strainer. You strain it, make sure it's cool to the touch or lukewarm, right? Because you're going to add these probiotics to it. And you don't want the soup to be hot enough to destroy the probiotics. So you have to let it cool down to room temperature or a safe temperature where you put your pinky in and leave it in and it doesn't burn it. Um, so then what you do is you cut up the beef liver and so let me back up. You strain the broth and you put it in a in a different pot, right? Smaller pot if you're making a smaller batch and you cut up some beef liver and you and you put the beef liver in there and you boil it up a little bit. It doesn't take long to cook beef liver, especially if you cut it into chunks. And then after that, that's when you have to let it cool again. So I kind of was confusing you in the beginning because I forgot to mention the liver, but now I'm mentioning the liver. So um, you cool it with the liver in it so that when you put your pinky in it, it won't burn. And then you add all of the other stuff. You add the probiotics, the acerola powder, the cod liver oil, the sunflower oil, the extra virgin olive oil, and the coconut oil. Then you put it in a blender. Uh, Vitamix works best. I did mine for about two years with a Ninja and I needed a fine mesh strainer. So the Ninja is not going to pulverize all of those ingredients completely, whereas the Vitamix will. So if you have a Ninja blender or anything except a Vitamix or a Blendtec, you're gonna need that fine mesh strainer again and you're gonna strain it and then it'll come out liquid. And that's it. 
and then you give it to the baby. Um, I would make mine in quart batches. I would keep one quart in the refrigerator and I would freeze all the other quarts. Uh, glass jars, if you put glass jars in the freezer, I, I tried that, glass ball jars and they broke. If you have better luck with that, that's fine. But I just use plastic quart size containers. You know how sometimes when you go to a restaurant and you get those cylindrical containers with the lids are clear? That's what I used. Uh, I think they have those at a store called webstaurantstore.com. Um, the liver, the same thing. I went to my farmer and I said, I need some grass-fed liver. Grass-fed liver is where the cows roam free in a pasture and they eat the grass. Uh, grass-fed liver is not the same as grass-finished liver. Sometimes what will happen is the farmer will give the cow some regular you know, corn feed or soy feed two weeks before they're harvested or a certain amount of days before they're harvested to fatten them up a little bit. Um, uh, my farmer did that and that was okay. So I gave my kids that. I also found a farmer who was grass finished their cow right up until the moment of harvesting. So there's that as well. So you just want to be sure, but if you can't find a grass fed beef liver or grass finished beef liver, then, you know, go to the store and find one there because it, it is possible to do that. What else? So, so I made friends with these people at my farmer's market and I, and I emailed people and I searched for people and, and I called people and I told them what I was doing and they were happy to help me. The probiotics was, um, Theralac is a really good brand and you can get it from vitacost.com, Theralac, and you only need a quarter teaspoon of probiotics per quart of formula. Acerola powder, again, I got it on vitacost.com, a quarter teaspoon. And that's spelled A-C-E-R-O-L-A -E powder. I can put all the ingredients in the description of this podcast for you. Fermented cod liver oil, I get it from a company called radiantlife.com or I think it's called greenpastures.com. Uh, greenpastures.com is a mom and pop family. I like them better than Radiant Life, but they're both equally fine and they both carry the same fermented cod liver oil. Sunflower oil I got from vitacost.com. Extra virgin olive oil, of course, you can get virtually anywhere. And coconut oil, you want this to be unrefined, which means it'll taste like coconut. You want it to be organic. So you want these, the, the sunflower extra virgin and coconut oil, you want them all organic um, if you wanna feel safe, if you wanna believe in, in, in the safety of the food for your baby. But again, if you don't have organic around you, there's a lot of supermarkets now that aren't carrying a lot of things, or if you can't get to it, you live in a remote area, just get the best kind that you have at the supermarket and it'll be fine, it'll be fine. I think I've said all I had to say about it. I really hope that this helps you feel less terrified about the current baby formula news that's going on. If you have any questions about any of this, please reach out to me and I'll be happy to answer any questions that you have. You can contact me through um, the link in my bio, which is listed in the show notes of this podcast, has all my contact information in it. Uh, and, and that's it. So, you know, you have options. 
if, if you don't want to do this commercial formula, we discussed the homemade baby formula, dairy-free baby formula. Now you can always do goat milk baby formula. I know that has worked too. If you're interested in that, I think the recipe is on the Weston A. Price Foundation website. So you can check that out. Um, I have a cookbook called Nourishing Traditions where those formulas are listed. Nourishing Traditions by Sally Fallon. If you wanted to get that, she is a supporter of Weston A. Price. And this cookbook is really super thick, uh, but it's so fantastic. It's a fantastic resource if you want to try making um, the dairy-free formula and also the goat milk formula. If you need to put whey in the formula, you know, I, I'm not quite sure where you can get whey because I never used it, but I'm sure if you Google it, you can find it. And I know there's, there's a resource section in the back of that Nourishing Traditions cookbook. So I know that she put a list of places where you can get some difficult to find ingredients. Let me know how this episode resonated with you. I would love for you to leave a review on it. Um, and tell me what your struggles are with this baby formula. Have you ever considered homemade baby formula, dairy-free, goat milk, or even just homemade yourself? It could be cow milk, just homemade, that's it. Oh, and I also wanted to tell you, I heated it up regularly. I put it in the bottle and I did put it in a bottle warmer. So those, those automatic bottle warmers that you just press the button and it heats up. So that's how I heated it up. Um, I hope you have a great day and I'll see you in the next episode. Thank you for listening to this episode. If you know anyone who would like to listen, please share it. If you would be willing to submit a review, I would appreciate that too. As a thank you, I have a special freebie for you. It's my guide to alternative sweeteners. It has been said that sugar is a silent killer. If you are looking to decrease your amount of sugar intake or learn how to use natural sugar substitutes in your cooking and baking, I have this super sweet guide, no pun intended, that I created especially for you. In it, I have included 10 natural sugar substitutes that you can use in your kitchen. Plus, I list glycemic indices if you are watching your blood sugar levels and ratio substitutions so your work is done for you. Go check it out at subscribepage.com backslash sweetguide. I'll list the link in the show notes too. It's free.